Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. So worthy. And he said that to me. He said, Lexi, you are so worthy. And now I'm going to send you out to tell people that they're worth it too. Oh, thank you, Lexi, so much for sharing that with us. Uh, what I am excited about, Glory Church, is that you will get more of these every week. Uh, for the next six, uh, seven weeks, maybe, the next six weeks after this, this is the seventh one, um, you are going to hear real stories. Um, but for those who are new, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. Kate is serving in the uh, zero to fours class. So if you have a zero to four, uh, make sure you say hi to her. Uh, they're in the kids hall. If you didn't know, we have kids ministry. All right. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, they're not like on the same level as us, not in, uh, not spiritually or age wise, but literally on a different level of the building. They're in the first floor. Um, so if you want to serve in kids, we have a place for you, okay? Um, but if you know a family who has kids and have always been like, but do they have anything for children? We got some awesome leaders who pour into these, these kids uh, weekly, who love on them. And so, yes, bring the kids. Um, but I, I'm excited uh, because we are starting a new series this morning called Testify. And as I'm sure you can pick up from like the words uh, the, the word of it, the, the flavor of it, the, the video that you just saw, it is going to be all about really sharing what God has done. Really uh, sharing, being a part of what God is actually doing in our city instead of standing on the sidelines wondering what he's doing. Testifying is stepping in and, and sharing what the Lord has done, the raw essence, the good, the bad, the way that he's spoken and has shaped. And so I am excited to dive into that. And one thing that I am just pumped about is you're going to hear from more people than just me. And uh, my wife is teaching into this series, which I'm really excited about. I know, I'm like, come on, come on, girl. She's teaching into this, so Dalton will be teaching, we'll have a panel at the end. And so I'm really excited to dive into this, not only that, but then you'll hear testimonies every week. So we got good things going, and if you'll sit with us in this, you're going to be stretched, you're going to be challenged, there will be conviction, right? We, we heard when God moves, an instruction will happen. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be freed, but his burden is still a burden, though it may be light. <laughs> there, is a, there is a thing that he will lead you to do. And so I'm really excited for that as we talk through what it looks like to testify. It's going to be stretching, deepening. But you see, four years ago um, in my life, before I knew that church planting, Kate and I, we, we did not know that church planting was going to be a thing for us. Uh, if you stepped into Glory Church for the first time, we are just like a year and a half old. So this is a church plant, which means uh, we, we, from the ground up, have built and worked and, and, and met people and started this thing, and, and it wasn't a thing a year and a half ago. Like, that's the crazy thing. But four years ago, it wasn't even a thing in our thoughts at all. Um, I was serving at that time. Uh, I was, I think, six years, going on to six years as being a youth pastor in a rather large church in Salem Springs, Arkansas. 
And I was there, and about that time, I had grown the youth ministry from 30 people to in the 80s, and I had the largest, I had the largest serve team in our church. I had like 35 committed adults who were like the hands and feet of Jesus for those students. Like normally a church would have one adult for every like five students, our ratio was off. Uh, we had so many people serving with us that every group had multiple leaders. And it was, it was amazing. So the last few years of doing it, I got to really take a step back and learn how to like let other people do things, which as you learned when we got back into church planting, I went back into that mode of I could do everything. So I'm learning that again. It's very different. But about that time, I was serving as on the teaching team. I was able to teach around uh, 10 to 12 times a year. Our elders had requested. I was able to serve hand in hand with my pastor to recast the vision of this large church. And he asked me to create my dream job description and five-year plan. It was like good things going on. But in my heart, there was this unrest. I didn't know why. I was frustrated that there was an unrest. I mean, there was a break-in in my home. Some of you know that story. And me sharing that to a group of students, 13 of them uh, like accepted Christ. And my heart was still like unrest. It's like, God, you're doing so many good things. But what is going on in me? I was struggling. And one night, I was laying in bed one night, and I had a vision. Now, I'm not a weirdo, I promise. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a little crazy sometimes, but I'm, I was on, on no hallucinogens. I, was, I had no alcohol. All right. <laughs> but I was laying in bed and I started seeing something and I was just telling Kate, my wife, like what was coming to mind. And I, this has never happened and hasn't happened since that day. But I was walking and these brick pave, brick pavers were, were on my feet, and it was just some brick pathway, uh, beautiful layout, like, you know, the hair and bone style. That's, there's buildings, and all I could see was the brick in front of me, fog everywhere. And I'm just like, and Kate's like, what? And I'm just telling her this, like, and I see fog, and the fog, but then I saw a lantern in front of me. Like in the distance, and my mind just assumed that someone was holding the lantern, and it was like I knew that I needed to walk forward. It was like I instinctually knew what was beyond the fog, though I didn't know what it was. You catching me? And so I'm just like walking ahead, and for some reason, like I just saw the lantern and knew I could trust it, all going. And then instantly, I got to the other side of the fog, and as I instinctually knew it was water. And I was standing like on a pier or a boardwalk. And in front of me was the endless sea, just calm. It was beautiful. Still nighttime, no fog. The stars were above, the moon was there. It was reflecting. And it was just like, (sighs) and I happened to look down in it. And this is weird, I promise. But I happened to look down and in my hand was the lantern. And then I woke up. And that was it. For the longest time, I thought, well, one, God, God has spoke to me using that vision for the past four years, giving me clarity. For the moment, it was very assuring because it was like God spoke to me very intently. And all I got from it at the first part was, Greg, you know what you're called to do. 
you know, I knew deep down you were called to be a pastor. And I'm like, but I'm not old enough. I'm not there. I don't see it. It's foggy. I know the end. I know the end is water, but I don't know how to get there. You know, just walk. So that was the first thing. But for some reason, my mind gravitated to the lantern and who I thought was holding it. And so I'm like, all right, there's supposed to be someone in my life. God, give me the person who's supposed to be a lantern holder that I can follow. Is there someone that I need to follow? And so I was like, is my pastor the lantern holder? And I just put so much emphasis on that. And in the coming months, God revealed that the purpose was not the lantern. It was the water. You see, throughout scripture, Water is a symbol of eternal life. Water. The Israelites had the water rights. Anywhere they go, they would, be, they would dig and then a well would be there. Jesus comes to the woman at the well and says, I will give you an endless amount of water. An endless amount. Water is always seen in scripture as eternal life. And it was like God was like, Greg, you have seen the water. You knew it was there You've seen the eternal life, and so your job as a lantern holder is to help a city in fog come to the water. Is this making sense? And it was like, it took way long, and he's still showing me more things from that. Like, Greg, it was, you had the lantern the whole time. It was not about the person. And so as I sit here, our job as believers is that we are in a city full of fog, haze, But when they see light, instinctually they know that it's safe. You see, we have a a fingerprint of us, the image of God, right? We are his image bearers. Instinctually the world knows eternal life is possible. They, They need to know the reality that it has been seen. And you've seen it. You know the water. Glory Church has the water rights. That's what I prayed the whole time, that that Glory Church, we'd be a place where people walk in and they see lanterns lit. They don't know how to get through the fog yet, but they see a lantern and they're like, I know I can follow them. I don't don't know yet, but they, they have it. And I wanted to be a church that's like, hey, by the way, I've seen the water. I know eternal life walk with me. I will testify to that. And so that's why I'm so excited about this series because we often think that we will do things when something happens. Like for instance, I, my heart is set on, on being along Truist Avenue. That's where I like where our offices are. That's where that building that we are working with is. We've hired an architect. I'm meeting with them tomorrow. And my mind keeps thinking, we will share the gospel as a church when we're there. And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have the water rights here too, the Loretto. You have eternal life here too. It's not going to happen when you get there if it's not happening here. Like it's not going to all of a sudden happen. And so I'm thankful that we are getting into this series on testifying because that building is not for you. That building is for his kingdom to grow in. Does that make sense? For people to be brought into, for the lost to be found, for us to go out and look for that lost coin, for us to go out and chase down the lost sheep. It's not about you. That building isn't for you. It's for us to minister in. 
And so we got some ministering uh, to learn. And so I'm really excited. Revelation 12, it has this interesting picture. I don't know if you've, you've dove into Revelation. I know one of our small groups. If you're diving into Revelation in your small group, give me a little shout out. Woo-woo. There you are. One small group is going into Revelation right now, and soon you will be in chapter 12. Chapter 12 is weird. It's good, but it's weird. Uh, it has this imagery of a pregnant woman, and she's pregnant, and she's carrying a baby. She has a, obviously, that's what happens when you're pregnant. But she has a crown with 12 stars on it, and she is the image of Israel, symbolism of Israel. And from Israel comes the Messiah, the baby. And so it's just this symbolism throughout. And then you see this dragon who's trying to kill the baby. And then there's this uh, whole war going on in heaven and the dragon falls. And then it gets to this place where it says, the dragon now reigns on earth, accusing the brethren, the comrades, the, the followers of Christ, Day and night, he throws out accusations. Day and night. And then it has probably one of the most well-known verses, verse 11. It says, but they have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So it has this image of the dragon spitting out accusations. Like God and the enemy don't like each other. The enemy does not like God. But he gets into hearing range to spit out accusations from God's people because he hates the people of the Lord. And so as he's spitting out accusations, present tense accusations, the only way to overcome was by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Those two things, this overcoming power to be victorious, to have, be conquering. Like, I love this, this word. You know the, the passage in Romans where it says, uh, we are more than conquerors? That's the same word right here is the overcome. Same word. The more than conquerors just throws a hyper on, on, on the word, conqueror. But we conquer by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And it's interesting that it's not just the blood of Jesus, Right? Have you ever met the people or the pastors, and maybe some of this is your background, who's just like, we got to pray the blood of Jesus over them. we got to pray the blood of Jesus over this. That's good. we got to pray the blood of Jesus over that. That hill, that mountain, we got to pray. And we get that. Okay, the blood of Jesus. But it's interesting that it's not just about the blood of Jesus that we overcome. That for some reason, when you're in temptation, when you're in fear, when you're in turmoil, when you're in worry, when you feel the need to run, when you're struggling, when you're doubting, when you're, uh, you're compromising, when you want to be isolated, all those times, it's not just the blood of Jesus, which is strange. There's more, but I get it from this. You ready? Isaiah, there's a song about the coming king. Isaiah does not say this. He was pierced, he was crushed, he was punished, the punishment was on him, and by his wounds he bled. That's not the passage, right? Because that's just about the blood. The passage is this, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that, was, that brought us peace, it was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You see, it's this, we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and our connection to it. Does this make sense? Because the enemy does, could care less about the blood of the lamb. He cares about what the blood of the lamb meant for humanity. 
And as I say, he was pierced for me. The peace that I have that you can't touch is on him. It's it's because of him. The enemy flees. He's scared. He runs. Testifying is so much more important than we think. It's not just about the blood of Jesus. It's about what the blood of Jesus has done for me that gives me the ability to confidently say mountain move. It's about what the blood of Jesus has done in me that gives me the ability to say, regardless of what you spit out, dragon, my wounds have been healed. My wounds have been healed. We will overcome by the blood of Jesus and the spoken belief in my connection to it. We will overcome. And I, I want you to think, like, honestly, when was the last time that you spoke any version of your testimony? I want you to think about it. When was the last time that you spoke any version of your testimony? I have the PG version and I have the R version. Anyone else? Like, I got the long one, I got the short one. I got the quick one, I got the, oh, you want two hours? I'll give it to you. I'll give a movie. I got the, when was the last time you shared any version of it? If you're like me, I get pity. Like, I start pitting, all right? Like, not like they don't give me pity. I get pity. And <laughs> so I remember, like, very early on in sharing my testimony, I mean, I, I was in bondage in high school. A whole host of sins that were, in my mind, uh, the worst of the worst. I'm so ashamed. I'm, I'm all, all alone and, no, like, no one can know about it, all of that kind of stuff. And when I started sharing Every time I would, I would like, like a waterfall under each armpit. Yeah. It was the worst. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let me just paint this for you. But then afterwards, I would get this level of confidence, this level of hope, this level of thankfulness, this worshipful spirit. And then... I was seeing his glory. It's this powerful thing. If you've shared any amount, you feel confident, right? You feel unstoppable. You're like, Lexi, when you heard this, did you feel excited about what God has done again? Like, there's power in it and sharing. And so maybe some of you are like, I don't have a testimony. I grew up in church. I was saved at age eight. I don't have a good one. Nothing bad has happened. I get it. I have a definition of testimony for you. And, uh, It is one that I thought of, and so if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I really like it. I would say a testimony is any place where the truth of God's word and my life meet. That's a testimony. Any place. And so it started, obviously, when the truth of of God's word met my sin-filled life for the first time, and I was saved. But a testimony continues because it's any time the truth of God's word and my life meet, collide, and I submit to it. That's a testimony. That's a testimony. And so, like, even though the testimony was, a testimony is still happening. I had a testimony this past week as God challenged me, and I was collided with the word of God. And so you have a testimony, but we dumb it down, we simplify it. We are ashamed to tell it. We are worried about it. We're still in it. And so we think it's not good. No, it's any time the word of God collides. And the word of God sometimes is just, it gets dirty in us, right? Like 
Because when you speak truth, when you experience truth, it's got to do some cleaning. There's always dirt involved. And sometimes we have a hard time sharing it. But when we testify, the enemy flees. When we testify, the enemy flees. So if I may put my pastor hat on, I have a whole last half of this message. If I may put my my pastor hat on for you, um, I would say that many times we are still overcome more than we overcome. Does that make sense? Many times we are still overcome by the fear instead of overcoming it. Many times we are still overcome by the anxiety instead of overcoming it. We're overcome by the doubts, by the sin, by the compromise, by the need to flee. We're overcome. Many times we don't live in the victory that we have been given freely. We compromise. We take a back seat. And it isn't because the blood of Jesus isn't real. I also want to tell you it isn't because those people hurt you. It isn't because that church didn't, you know, teach you the right thing. I gotta re- you have to realize that as a believer, you have the ownership, the ability to no matter what, say yes to Christ. And so I, we get overcome more than we overcome. And it's because we like to put the blame on others. A lot of the times. A lot of the times we like to put, uh, and I, I wrote this, I think like they come and we fall in and we fall short. And it's because we think that the stagnation is because I was just hurt. No, as a, as a believer, we're the only people in all of the world. Like this is huge. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're the only person in all of the world who can actually say no to sin. You're the only person who can say no to running You're the only person in the world. Believers are the only people who can actively say no to putting up walls and closing down. You have the ability. It's not their fault. It's on us. That's a good thing because we have the ability to do it. We have the ability to say no to the enemy. We have the ability to. And so I will tell you, though we have a testimony, the enemy would be playing up stupid, right? He would be stupid if he let us constantly remember it, recall it, speak it, be excited about it. He's way craftier than that. He's way craftier than letting us speak it all the time, living in it. He, he has a whole lot of lures. And so we're going to get this morning into two things that I just know, maybe if you've been struggling to overcome in your life, it might be because of these two things. All right, so he's crafty, and this is two crafts of the, the, the enemy. But I, I'll tell you, what he hates is the ability for you to run to instead of run from. He hates when you lean in instead of run away. He hates it when you say no to something that you've so many times said yes to. And the only way to do that is through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So we are going to get into this a little bit. Uh, I'm going to leave you because at the end of the day, like I think a bit of us, like a bit of us are still ashamed about things. 
And we haven't allowed the blood of Jesus to give us the confidence, the boldness to move forward. And a bit of us don't want the blood of Jesus to cleanse a few things that we want to hold on tight to. (laughs) For real. I don't want the blood of Jesus to cleanse this. And then I wonder why I'm overcome with anxiety and fear and worry and doubt. And and I constantly feel all alone and isolated and and worry. And it's because the enemy's like, but this is who you are. This is good. But the blood of Jesus cleanses it and it becomes a testimony to use against the enemy for his kingdom. But we'll get into this. Uh, Two reasons. The first one, if you're taking notes, is I may be struggling at times to overcome because I struggle to open up. If you've struggled to overcome, it might be because you struggle to open up. You struggle to open up. Some of you believers have never shared your heart with people. You've never shared your fears. You've never shared what gets you going, what makes you angry, what makes your blood boil. You've never shared that with people. God has instinctually like, given you a few desires, a few lures, a few like, impulses that are God-given. We need to know about your righteous anger. But you don't share it, and so you're always overcome. You don't open up. You don't open up. Sometimes you say, like, my counselor knows it. I open up to my counselor. Can I just tell you, your counselor is not the the church. Your counselor is not the kingdom of God. Your counselor was not commissioned by the holy, most high to carry your burdens. Your counselor was paid by you to listen and help you through things, but they literally cannot be your friend. That's the number one reason when I heard that as counseling, that's just not for me. It's not for me. Like ethically, they can't talk to you in Walmart unless you talk to them first. That's just, but that's, that's needed sometimes. And a third party. But the third party person is not the church. The church is to carry your burdens, to walk with you, to empower you. The counselor isn't going to meet your needs. God meets them through his church, his body, over and over, how I love this one, it's between me and God. How many of you have ever said this or thought that? I used to get like girls in high school when I would like try to talk to them about like, it's always the Christian girl just wanting that bad boy. And I'm like, you can't, you can't date him. Like, it's just not good. Don't do it. And she's like, it's between me and God. It's, don't judge me. It's between me and I'm like, have you read the gospels? Like, have you read that it says don't judge the people outside, but you judge the family because the sharp iron sharpens iron. One man like sharpens another. We are called to talk about things when things get a little rocky and honey, he's rocky. It's between me and God or some of your marriages. It's between me, God and her. Can I tell you that's a, a lie from the enemy? Because if you really believed something was between you and God, you would realize that Christ is the head of the church and the rest of the body is the fullness of God. So you're praying sometimes to the wall and you're wondering why he's not holding you. It's because them in your small group are the ones who are supposed to hold you. They're the arms of Christ right now. And sometimes it's, but it's between me and God. No, you're constantly going to be overcome 
Now, there are times when you get it right, when you have a correct opinion and view of the Lord and you're in your room and you're crying and you feel his peace surpass all understanding and you feel him. But it's, it, that's very different than the times when you're only, you, you're only talking in your room and not sharing with his people. You confess your sins to one another and, and there's healing. There is, a, there is more than ourselves. And the cling is, the, the lure is, it ends up being between me and the God of me. Because uh, I want to be self-preserved. I want to be taken care of. I want to be helped. And that's just not it. It's not it. You remain in isolation and you keep enabling yourself to go forward. I may be young in years. Like I get it. I got a baby face to prove it. But one thing that I'm very thankful for is very early on, God pushed me to be with people who were vulnerable. And it taught me to be vulnerable. I'm very thankful. Uh, I was told early on in college a, a truth that I like, I, I re, re-spoke it and spoke it again and again. And so this has become like a little Gregism that you can never lead someone further than you yourself are willing to go. And so as we testify, you cannot lead someone into an, oh, like an understanding, vulnerably broken understanding of who Jesus is and his healing if you're not willing to go there too. And so there is power when we testify. There is power when I go, when I share, when I speak, when I process, when I walk through it, when I work, work it out. That is testifying. One, it helps the believers. It edifies. But two, it holds the lantern and proves that I have this ability to, in the fog, know where I'm going. That's what the world needs. They start seeing the gaps in their own life and the glory of God in ours. I'll make this make sense. I love that, Hannah, wherever you are, Second Corinthians is my favorite book. It was like a really cool, during uh, our huddle, she said, Greg, Second Corinthians just reminds me of you. And I'm like, that's like the best compliment ever. That's my favorite book. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter four, we are jars of clay. Like, and he's put, and the reason we are jars of clay, this is literally in my notes. The reason we are jars of clay is because he's put this all-surpassing power in us so that we are reminded that it's not us, it's the Lord. And I used to get stuck on the jars of clay piece, the clay part. I mean, that's literally my whole book out there, is, is I got stuck on the clay part. If I can speak to some of you, you thought for the longest time, I hate, very vividly, this was you in in some way, I hate the way my clay looks. If I could just change it. But on my clay, it wasn't anything about my body. It was like, I hate that I can see every mistake that I've ever made, like a dent. I hate that I see cracks all over my life. The things that I did wrong. Anyone ever been there? Like, I just, I hate that my life is like this and it's all the mistakes that I've ever made and it's on this clay jar and I used to just, the clay, 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 clay is bad, bad, bad. But the point of that whole thing is the glorious, immeasurable power that is within the clay makes it pressed and not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. It's what's inside And the most beautiful thing is you keep getting overcome because you won't share what is inside. 
you won't share that that crack right here in your life was from this and the Lord did this and instantly the glory inside shines through and people are changed. Does that make sense? That's why we have dents, why God chose to not heal the outside in some of us is because he wants his glory to be shown through it. It's not about the clay. It's about the glory of the Lord inside that we're called to testify to. That we're called to testify. Another thing that Paul says throughout the, the gospels is this idea of taking up our cross daily. You know that? Some of you keep getting overcome by your sin because you don't realize that taking up your cross daily is more public than you think. It is. You won't open up. No one at your work knows that you're a believer because they don't see the cross that you bear. No one at your work, your family don't know that you're a believer because they don't see the cross because a cross has a public crucifixion attached to it. Think about it. There is a public crucifixion attached to taking up my cross daily that people are going to need to know what is dead and gone in my life. They're going to need to know that the sin of my past is dead and gone and I'm a new man. They're going to see that awkwardness. They're going to see me bleed. They're going to see me sweat. The pits, they're going to see all of it. Like they have to see it because I'm taking up my cross daily. And that's uncomfortable. I will fall because sometimes the cross is too heavy. And when I fall, people need to see me get dirty. There's going to be people who help me. And people need to see that. We've got to be more open. Or you're going to stay isolated. And forget what the blood of Jesus has done for you. Take up my cross daily. Some of you struggle to overcome because you feel like that's scary. But can I tell you, like the enemy is more scared by you carrying your cross than you could ever be by it. He's more afraid of you picking up your cross and telling the very thing that's weighing on your shoulders to telling. He's more afraid of that than you are. I promise but there's a second one as we end this morning. Honestly, this one is, is going to, whoo. I may be struggling to overcome because there are parts of my life that have yet to be met by the word. Remember my definition of testimony? A testimony, a testimony is when God's word and my life meet. There are some things that you keep struggling with and it's because there are parts of your life, your heart, your thoughts, your desires, your wants, your plans, your lures, your, your, <laughs> your beliefs that have not been collided with the word of God. And because it hasn't been collided to the word of God, it's just a story, not a testimony. And you can't speak it to the enemy. Because it's not truth. It has not been connected to the blood of Jesus yet. And this happens all the time. It's me all the time. Where I try to fix things myself. Instead of lean on the blood of Jesus and how he's, he's transformed me to live in freedom. Even with it's not being fixed. But you might be struggling to overcome. Because... There is something that you're clinging to that you don't want cleansed yet. 
And it's affecting so many things. And some of you right now are very uncomfortable. And I, 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 I want you to know this is why. For the longest time, like, I felt like God has been saying this. You put that up. My people are living oppressed, and they do not even know it. And some of you want to squirm. You want to go to the bathroom. You're like instantly, the, in, the enemy is real. He is. Some of you right now want to check out. You want to leave. You, you, feel, you, you, want, to, you want to occupy your thoughts. You, you want to squirm a little bit so you don't have to hear. You want to leave. And the reason is because there's an oppression in many of us when it comes to the things we cling to. That could be a powerful testimony that would send a, an alarm into the dark kingdom of the world. And so many things would flee in your home. But he does not want that oppression to be thought of, to be talked about, to be worked through, for you to actually confess that you felt a little bit strange about that one thing, but you kept it going instead of talking about it, that that, that, that conviction was in the back of your mind, but you never, you didn't want to speak it up because if you spoke it up, that would require so much work forward. And so you just push it back and back. My people are living oppressed and they don't even know it. Oppression comes when our life is believing something that opposes truth. Oppression comes when we have misaligned truth and we call a sin a blessing or a sin just uh, uh, what, uh, what, I, what I want right now or a sin it, misalignment comes and oppression feels, is felt. Oppression comes when we desire the things of God but not the word of God. This happens a lot. My people are living oppressed and they don't even know it. And this is a very, very spiritual thing. So I was told this past summer that uh, one of my spiritual gifts, this is a weird conversation, but it happened. Uh, I was like prophesied over, and that's also, I was a Baptist boy growing up, so that's just not something I experienced. I was prophesied over, and he said, I see you climbing a mountain, and on your right hand, like you've broken a shepherd's staff because your go-to is to lean on the gift of shepherding. But you've learned to, bro- you've broken it and now you're scaling this mountain like a climber with two things, two gifts that are not a part of what you've done ever before. Healing and deliverance. And I, my first gut was like, I prayed for my mom to get healed from cancer. Never happened. That's not my gift. That was literally my first thought was I prayed for years for my mom to get healing from cancer and it didn't happen. So that's not a gift. But he's like, no, you're climbing up this mountain. You're going to be scaling the mountain as you lean into healing and deliverance. And so from the stage right now, what I do know is that deliverance comes when people who are oppressed find freedom. And so I'm going to um, lead us right now into something where you could experience freedom if you mean it. So I'm going to operate in my gift if you want to realize that the Lord is present. And so I just have a question that you can pray. And <laughs> I've done this with, with people this summer. And you've been, you would be amazed by the things that come up and you're afraid of it. And it's nothing wuku, I promise. I'm, I'm a normal guy. But this is a prayer that if you honestly pray it, be careful of how the Lord answers it. And so I'm going to put it up here. 
And then I'm going to give us time to ask it of ourselves. If you're a believer in the room, if you're not, I encourage you to lean in a little bit. But if you're a believer in the room, I want you to ask this question, God, is there anything within me that is moving against your word? That's so simple. So simple. Is there anything within me that is moving against your word? The first thing that came to your mind, you want to act like it was just because you got in a conversation and that's why it came to your mind. You will rationalize why things come to your mind. Sometimes a person comes to your mind, it doesn't make sense. Well, what were you doing with that person? Sometimes what comes to mind is nothing. And it might be because you didn't ask the question. You don't want to know the answer because you already know the answer because the Holy Spirit is not outside of you. He's in you and you've known the answer from a long time but don't want to ask it because you don't want to hear it again. I want to be a church that overcomes by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and you are a part of this church. You are a son and daughter of the Most High. Some of the most oppressed people in this world are, are believers because the enemy doesn't have to do anything to the world because they're already his. But he oppresses you because he's afraid of what you can do. And so God, is there anything in my life that is not aligned to your word? Let me be afraid of what you say because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let me not know what to do with what you said. Because then I have to talk it out. I have to ask for help. Is there anything within me, Lord, that is moving against your word? Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.